Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with a man who deals generously in lens, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. Until he looks in triumph on his adversaries, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness extends, endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reality of a risen Christ under whose love and grace and mercy we're able to gather here this morning. Jesus, as we have just celebrated in this Advent season, you have come to earth. We remember, commemorate, celebrate God with us. Jesus, thank you for your work on our cross for us and for our salvation. And give us your Holy Spirit to understand this, your very word, Bring us into your presence, O Lord, and do a good work even in these spaces. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Please be seated. So the question for Eric and for me was that each of us were going to choose a passage of Scripture that had relevance for us over the past year in 2021. And the passage that I chose, I just read to you, Psalm 112. Here's a little bit of my backstory with this psalm. Years ago now, I was in seminary. That's where you go for pastoral training. And in seminary, and maybe if you have a high school situation or maybe a college situation, grad school situation, did you ever have an old teacher who just hung around the school and you weren't sure what that teacher did? Like an old guy or an old woman. And it's like, okay, you've been here for a long time. What exactly do you do? You do? <laughs> here sort of thing. So we had one of those seminary professors. I'm not going to say what this guy's name was, I, but I didn't know what he did. And at the start of my second year, he came and guest taught just one class period, one lecture, and he passed out what was called the lectionary of Psalms, a list of daily Psalms reading. And he says uh, to the class, this is what we're going to do. You are going to use this as your Bible reading program over the next half a year, and you'll be checking in with me one-on-one to see how it's going. And that was weird. And the reason is, whether then or now, like what I do for my own devotional Bible reading previously has has been always voluntary, for one thing, and and not mandated by a professor that I didn't know saying, this is what you're going to do 
in your personal times with God over the next half a year. I'm like, take me out to dinner first. I have no idea. Like, okay, we're here, and I guess this is what is going to be happening. So I was deeply skeptical of this professor and this plan, but, and I think one way or another, the lectionary reading plan was drawn from some Episcopal tradition, some Anglican tradition, and the first psalm reading where grumpy, young buck seminary student Jim first forced devotional reading was from Psalm 112, the psalm that I just read to you. And the verse that stuck out to me, I read it originally in a different version than we're using here this morning, was the first half of Psalm 112, verse 7. You can go ahead and take a look at that verse once again. He, or a person, or the righteous person, is not afraid of bad news. Isn't that a great little verse of scripture? If you follow God, if you trust in Jesus, if you seek to live well, righteously, under God, that means you're not afraid of bad news. The original version that I read it in said, he fears no bad news. So for all of my grumpiness about, hey, why am I being forced to read this lectionary plan? I was struggling with various things in my life at the time and stopped dead, not afraid of bad news. And I thought to myself, I would love that to be me. I would love that to be me. Because for the most part, whether it was then or now, a lot of the time, bad news is exactly what I'm afraid of. And I go through periods when I think, there's been enough bad news, at least for right now. I'm a little bit afraid to check my messages, to go to my phone, to go to my email, to check in with somebody, because I felt like I have had enough bad news for now. But there have been good periods in my life when God has been gracious to me. I felt the Holy Spirit directing me into the presence of God on a regular basis. And in those seasons, I'm able to say that because God is good and the Holy Spirit is real in my life, bad news is always going to come because we live in a fallen world. But I'm not afraid of it right now. Bring it on. And so I return to Psalm 112, and specifically Psalm 112 Verse 7, here during pandemic in 2021, because I felt really fragile. Because there is so much bad news in our world and in our lives where it just feels like the hits keep on coming and keep on coming and keep on coming. And I returned to this psalm and said, God, bring me back to the place where I'm not afraid of bad news anymore. That's one of the reasons, if you've been hearing me talk this fall about our Represence Initiative that we're launching here at Liberty Collingswood, one of the words that I've been returning to is resilience. Wouldn't it be great if we were resilient people? If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, watching online or here in the room, wouldn't it be great if we were resilient followers of Jesus, not being buffeted around with every wind of bad news that might blow in from this direction or that direction? But I find myself, if I'm not careful, becoming more fragile. And understandably so, I think, because whether it was 2021 or 2020, right? Life has been kind of crazy and kind of hard. And one of the sadnesses that I carry for myself and my kids during this season is that what if there is a forced normalization of all of this crazy stuff 
that's going on in our world that, okay, I guess this is going to be the baseline moving forward. I was talking with Blake before the service when, and if you're not a parent of maybe middle schoolish, high schoolish kids, maybe you didn't know, or, or elementary school, like going around virally, virally on social media on, on TikTok was, was this, I don't even know what you call it. Uh, kids were saying on social media, hey, like, let's choose this day and have a school shooting across the country. And so I just grieved for the fact that my kids were faced with the question, should we have to go, or should we go to school today? Probably nothing's going to happen. Probably everything's going to be fine. Or is it better to stay home? And I, I fear for our kids. How is that going to mold all of us? Fragility. And I feel like we're in a cultural moment as well where there is a growing tide of anti-resilience in people, both from the secular right and from the secular left, where just a little bit of bad news, a little bit of grit or sand in the oyster, and we blow up, and we get so angry, or we get so enraged, and we get so shattered. And so we're all of these incredibly non-resilient, fragile people trying to do human community together during a pandemic and during a period of extreme radical tribalization when everybody's running to the polls in various ways. That makes me fragile. But then I think the righteous person fears no bad news. And you've heard me over this past year mention a couple different statistics, and I'll read them once again to you here as it relates to church. During pandemic, uh, one in five churchgoers in America have stopped going to church. And I feel some of those losses even here at Liberty Collingswood. God's been gracious. We're, we're, we're growing. We're adding people. That's awesome. But then also it's possible that you look around and maybe there are a couple of faces that you used to see at church that you just don't see anymore. So that's a national statistic, but it's come home to roost here at Liberty Collingswood as it has so many other places. And so we grieve the ghosts. We grieve the ghosts. People that have either moved on to a different church or not following Jesus at all, uh, we feel that. And I've mentioned too, a couple of you heard, heard, heard me say this. Earlier on during pandemic, during the same week, I had two different conversations. One from a longtime family at church saying, hey, we're not going to be here anymore. This church is way too conservative for us. A couple days later, another longtime family at church saying, hey, we're not going to be a church anymore. This church is way too liberal for us. And I kind of felt like, hey, I have somebody that you might want to talk to <laughs> about. And, and when, when I relayed that to a couple other people, what I heard back when I was grousing and complaining, saying, what's going on here? I was told, well, that means our church is doing something right, I guess, because people are going on either side. And I guess that's true at a larger level. But my rejoinder at that point was, it sure doesn't feel good in the moment, and it doesn't feel right, and I feel the temptation to tribalize and to polarize. Hey, like, if people are going to be upset anyway, why don't we just run to the polls and define exactly who our enemies are and demonize people on the other side? Why can't I just rally the base like everybody else seems to be doing right now? There's a fragility. Another statistic from the Barner Research Group that came out this fall, among pastors and people in ministry, there's an all-time high, as long as this 
has been researched by Barna starting in the mid to late 20th century, 40% of pastors have seriously considered quitting within the past year, which is an all-time high among pastors. The previous high had been about 30% a year before at the beginning of pandemic, and that was a high. But it's continuing to rise even over the course of a calendar year. And I feel that, I sense that in the Liberty Network. Our, our network lost two churches during pandemic. And these were churches that I prayed for, that we strategized for, that we gave money towards, and poof, it's gone. One of the great joys for me as a member of the Liberty Lead Team for our network is that we welcomed into our communion of churches a church in the northwest section of Philly, actually not far from where I went to seminary, called Bridge Community Church. And the lead pastor there, a great guy named Angelo, was saying at the Liberty Pastors Christmas Party, and they're a church plant that maybe planted 20 years ago, so they're an old church plant, so to speak. He said that over the past year, I have lost original launch team members from 20 years ago because of mask mandates. And I just stopped in my tracks when I heard, and, and he said, these are people, 20 years is a long time to be in a church together, 20 years is a long time when you helped start the church those 20 years ago. But he said, just imagine, and he said, I think about all of the thick and thin. We laughed together, we cried together, we bled together to get this church off the ground. But, and I don't know where to the right or to the left Bridge Community is when it comes to mask mandates, if you can even use right or left, I don't even know. But he said, like, I've been through so much with these people. Like, our kids went to school together, did youth group together. But something, in Angelo's opinion, as silly as whether or not you wear a mask at church and what a church asks people to do in the pews, those were deal breakers. In 20 years, we're done. There's a ministerium here in Collingswood where there's local pastors that get together. It's a life-giving thing for me and Eric to do. And over the past year and a half, there's been turnover at all of the churches around me. Collingswood Presbyterian has been in pastoral turnover for a long time. St. Paul's, where we used to rent, they lost their pastor. And there's pastoral turnover there. Down Haddon Avenue and across First UMC, the United Methodist Church. By the end of the spring, all four people on their pastoral staff will have stepped down over the past year. Also in our ministerium, the lead pastor from Circle of Hope Church, which is technically not in Collingswood, but Pensacken, uh, he announced his resignation to their congregation a month ago uh, because among the leadership of that small network of churches kind of like ours, there's disagreements about racism and systemic racism and critical race theory. Uh, they just lost the ability to be together, and so they split. And by God's grace, I'm not in that 40% of thinking, hey, I'm, I'm just going to tap out. And if anything, I feel a deeper sense of call that God, need, God calls me here to Liberty Collingswood to launch us into this new phase. But it still freaks you out a little bit when everybody else is leaving. On my bad days, it feels that way. But the righteous person is not afraid of bad news. 
what was challenging in 2021? A little bit looking back at 2021, then going ahead to 2022. Uh, put it this way, the maybe Easter joke is going to be too soon for me for a long time. So when pandemic hit in March of 2020, among pastors, it was like, well, Easter's in April. Maybe we'll be back meeting in person and things will be back to normal by the end of April. And that didn't happen, 2020. And then the joke was, well, we were right about Easter, but we just got the year wrong. Maybe 2021 is when things are going to be back to normal. And that also didn't happen. And so now we're thinking again, maybe 2022. And the jokes have gotten stale. And I'm not saying that this is uniquely hard for pastors or churches. This is like all of our professions. This is all of our communities. This is all of our friends. The analogies where, okay, what started out as a sprint became a 5K. So like, oh, wow, pandemic is really, really hard. It feels like a sprint just to get through it. But, oh, wait a second, you need to keep running. And so it went from, well, we thought it was a sprint, now it's a 5K. And then it's, we thought it was a 5K, now it's a marathon. And then, well, we thought it's a marathon, now it's a triathlon. And I don't know, where are we, are we on Tatooine at this point, <laughs> where we're just C-3PO and R2-D2, like combing the desert forever? That's what it can feel like. And even when we, this summer, started to work on Represence Initiative stuff, and some of the language that we used for that is Liberty Collingswood, as part of the Represence Initiative, relaunches into a post-Christian and post-COVID world. I actually had a second thought and said, maybe we shouldn't have said post-COVID. We, we kept the language, but I made sure among leadership that, that we were clear, post-COVID doesn't mean COVID's over. It just means that we're in a post-COVID reality as in COVID has begun as we try to make a way through. So those have been things that have surprised me, but then at a processing level, I've been surprised at what pandemic has shown me that I've been relying on more than I thought that I was. I have been more reliant than I realized on predictability of routine, on differentiated time, on being able to say that I've achieved goals. So, some of you in the room are big Enneagram people. Others of you are pre-big Enneagram people, I guess. And Enneagram 3, if you know anything about that, we are gold... Enneagram 3, that's me. That's the achiever. And the achiever, Enneagram 3, are people that are goal-oriented. We want to win. And we want to say we achieved that goal, we took that hill, we took that hill, we took that hill. What are our goals, even, right now? What are we achieving? And so for you, ponder the challenges of the year, or the year and a half. What has surprised you? What has been unexpectedly challenging? What pulls you away from being able to say the righteous person fears no bad news? Some idols have surfaced, and... I'll talk about me a little bit more here. I'm not saying that this needs to be your issues, and in fact, I hope it's not your issues, your set of issues. But everybody has their own issues, so be thinking about how you would answer uh, the same question. What idols surfaced for you this year? For me, it's a lot of pride. A lot of pride in ways that on the surface don't necessarily look or come across as pride, but entitlement, when I think I deserve things to go a certain way, that, that's pride. So before pandemic hit, March of 2020, church had been going great. And we were able to say, like, at our Discover Liberty, some of you have been to our Discover Liberties over the years. After uh, 
difficult beginning, and some of you in the room were here for that, and I'm so grateful. After touch and go for some early stages of our church, as a congregation, we've grown 10 to 15% a year, every year. And it looked like even more growth was going to be there than the 10 to 15% in 2020. But then when pandemic hit, I found myself saying, God, things were going really great, and I don't deserve this to be happening to me right now. That's pride. That's entitlement. As I've been processing sometimes seasons of fragility where this, there's this baseline frustration and anger and vulnerability, one of the conversations that was formative to me early on in the pandemic, a friend of mine named Matt, who's a local journalist, we were on our back porch, we were talking about, well, uh, this is how uh, a lot of non-white people feel all the time. And so one of the reckoning points has been some racial tensions in our country, uh, and it's been good for me to reckon with some of those things. There, there's justice built into this psalm. It is well with the man, verse 5, who deals general, gen- generously in lens, who conducts his affairs with justice. Verse 9, he's distributed freely, he's given to the poor. So that's been part of my process, too, thinking about racial realities in our country. But it's pridefulness on my part that says, hey, things should be really smooth for me all the time. And now that they're not really smooth for me all the time, like I'm realizing that I think I am entitled to better all the time, too. And then also self-reliance. At earlier stages of our church, maybe this is 2013, 2014, 2015, There were times when I was able to say, like, God, if this church is going to work, you're going to have to grow it because I'm out of bullets. (laughs) I've tried everything. Uh, We have a small group of people that are deeply committed to our church, but it's a really small group of people. And, God, if we're going to grow from here, uh, you need to bless it or it's not going to grow. 2020 to 21 has shown me maybe I've gotten away from that a little bit where I'm thinking instead Hey, if my sermons are good enough, if we have the right systems in place, if we make, make the right contextual choices, then everything's going to be fine because we're going to get to the next level ourselves. God has been gracious to show me, well, that's kind of out the window. And whether it was 2013 or 2018 or 2020 or going into 2022, if our church grows, it's because God is giving the growth. And I need to renounce my pride and realize it's all up to God. I've been praying about different things this year. And I've been praying, verse 7 and 8 of Psalm 112. The righteous person is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. God, get me there. Thinking about, hey, I talk every Sunday about how Jesus is crucified and resurrected, which gives us everything that we need both now and eternally hey, I should actually believe that more. I should actually trust in that more. I should actually, when I'm going through my fragile days of fearing bad news, remember, practice what I actually preach. Hey, Jesus has truly given me enough. He's paid the penalty for my sin on the cross. He's conquered sin and death and the devil in his resurrection. Promises me an eternity of life with him where everything's going to be great all the time when truly there will never be, after a certain point, any more bad news forever. God, give me more security. 
Let me live into that reality to believe your promises. I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would work with God's word to do the work of God bringing people to himself and building them up in the faith. Another shift for me this fall is that occasionally I've been preaching more topically, taking on contemporary issues. And I'm not saying that I'm you know, perfect in addressing these things, but there have been plenty of deep breath moments. And so looking back on it this fall, what have, what have we talked about? We've talked about faith and science. We've talked about days of creation. We've talked about a whole Lenten sermon series on systemic racism. We've talked about abortion. We've talked about environmentalism. We've talked about transgender identification. And on down the line. And I'll repeat again, I'm not a priest and I'm not a politician, but it's been an exercise for me in saying, hey, at the end of the day, my job is just to say, here's the Bible. This is what I think it says. Here are some things that I feel really good about saying, like, hey, this is, this is really clear. Here, here are some parts where I'm a little more tentative, but I'm doing the best I can to say that I think this is what the Bible says. In an exercise in faith to say, God, do whatever work you want to do around these things. And I've been praying for mercy. Mercy for our world. Mercy for our nation. Mercy for our communities. Mercy for you. Mercy for our church. Mercy for my family. Have you gotten to the point over the past year and a half where you're just sitting there thinking, we're hurting? People are hurting a lot. Whether it's people that we see in headlines or on news feeds, whether it's family members, whether it's friends, whether it's close to home or not. God, can you please be merciful? Because there's a lot of tough stuff going on in our world right now. But it's been great to see God show up in different ways. And this is the last part about 2021 before it's been a couple minutes on 22. How has God shown up in our midst over the past year plus? God has shown up in our midst, in our church. Here we go. Because there's still a church. Okay? So the fact that we're here, not just in the room, but online, the fact that we continue to be a robust, worshiping community, let us be living proof to one another that God is real. God has shown up in ways that we have planned and said, hey, it would be great if God could bless in this direction. Let's build towards that. God has showed up in ways that we haven't planned at all. And I think whatever the next few years hold for our church or for our world, we'll be able to look back at this phase and say, these were actually some of our finest hours. This is where worship and community and mercy happened a lot. We were there in really difficult circumstances to live and speak and serve as Jesus' very presence. God has shown up in our midst including increases in three specific ways. It's been a joy to me to see the, the ownership of Liberty Callingswood continue to grow out. Whether it's our staff that's grown, whether it's our great elders and deacons, our consistory members, whether it's volunteers and volunteer team leaders. Some of you here in the room are doing things that you were not doing at Liberty Callingswood a year and a half ago. 
you're leading things, maybe, that you weren't leading a year and a half ago, and on- online as well. Thank you for the ways in which you've taken up the call to say, like, this is, this is not a church, but it's my church. And I'm stepping up, and I'm owning. And it's music to my ears as a pastor, just to hear, be on the sideline when, oh, person over here did something really cool for person over there. Especially when I had nothing to do with it. Especially when I didn't even know that there was an issue or a problem or a need, but I hear some report in retrospect, oh, this person was really struggling, but this person over here helped and took care of it. I hear those more and more. And I'm so grateful, too, If you have ever thanked anybody at church over the past year and a half, know that those thanks are not in vain. And so I'm so grateful for words of thanks and appreciation that I've received, hopefully not in like this ego monster (laughs) way uh, where, where it's just deep narcissism, where it's like they love me, they love me, they love me. But thanks are appreciated. And whether that's for other staff members, uh, hearing from other staff, like, hey, this person actually sent me a really great email the other day. Or our volunteer team leaders, or our elders and deacons. Uh, Being thanked just makes the work so much easier and so much better. And I have felt God grow our church in the gift of encouragement over this past time. So let's press ahead in all of these ways. Voice appreciation, voice love, all the more. What happens with 2022? What fears do I have related to the new year? What am I praying for and what am I hopeful for? Fears related to 2022, Groundhog Day. I'm afraid of that. Where the maybe Easter jokes... How many more years are we going to, our pastor is going to say, well, maybe by Easter it'll, you know, things will be different. Uh, When it'll just be more of the same. And I was crestfallen just like you were uh, with Omicron headlines over the past couple of months, where over and over again during pandemic and, you know, staff operationally, but then other leaders where, okay, things are getting a little bit back to normal, quote-unquote. So how do we build out a little bit over here? How do we upshift? How do we move ahead? But then, oh, wait, there's another surge. So let's just rev down the engine one more time. I fear that that's going to just keep going. So I'm afraid for pandemic. I'm afraid for polarization, where we're just going to get more angry all the time at one another, when blood will continue to boil, which means there's going to be more bad news. The righteous person fears no bad news. I'm afraid that there's just going to be more of it. I'm afraid for the great resignation leading to the great migration. Uh, People move out of areas all the time, and churches grow not because nobody ever leaves, but because the people coming, whether it's moving into the area, whether it's meeting Jesus, whether it's digging in for community, for the first time or not, but the, the, the growth outweighs the people that move on. Uh, people are less willing to like, start new things during pandemic, and I worry, hey, are there going to be just transitions out that will outpace people coming in? That, that's a fear. 
deeper level, what if there's never going to be a return to normal? What if we can name that and say, what if the return to the way it'll, it was will never be? And the ship is sailed permanently. What if like a wounded animal or an abused pet, we're so conditioned by bad news that that becomes our psychological and spiritual normal baselines where we're reacting in wounded ways without even realizing it? What if we become less resilient over time? I fear for those things. But that's why we need each other to name these fears with one another and whatever other fears you have, name them to one another. Practice community together so that we can help each other through them. But I'm praying as well. I'm praying that Jesus would be the prophet and priest and the king that he's promised in his scriptures to be. Jesus, be our prophet. Speak to us clearly through your word when for any number of issues under the sun, Eric and I will joke, like, we never had a seminary class in <laughs> this, whatever this is, and there's tons of thises out there. Mom never said there's be days like this. Jesus, speak clearly through your wor- word in the midst of a crazy world. Jesus, I'm praying that you would prophetically reveal the insufficiency of other cultural narratives from the secular right and secular left that say, if you do these things, if you align in these ways, if you say the right things, if you show the right things, if you do the right things, then you'll attain the, quote, righteousness that a human being needs, and you'll be secure as will our world. Jesus, expose those counterfeits. That if we do polarize and radicalize, that's not going to give us what we think we're going to attain. Reveal the counterfeits. Jesus, be a priest. I'm not a priest. I'm not a politician. But you know who is a great high priest? Jesus. Jesus, we're hurting. Be our comforter. Be our great counselor by your Holy Spirit. Jesus, be the great high priest that died for us, that forgiveness would be real in our lives. One of the wonderful things about all of the Psalms, including this one, is that we're able to read Psalm 112 through the lens of Jesus and say, Jesus, you fulfilled this on our behalf. Blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. That's Jesus. His offspring will be mighty in the land. That's Jesus' church. Wealth and riches are in his house, and righteousness endures forever. That's Jesus in the new heavens and new earth. Light dines in dark, dawns in darkness for the upright. The darkness of the cross and death, the light of resurrection. It is well with the man who deals generously in lens. That's Jesus. For the righteous will never be moved. That's Gethsemane. That's Jesus. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Yet not my will, Jesus said, but your will be done. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. Jesus, be the forgiving God that you've promised to be. And Jesus, be our king. Jesus, rule over all of this mess. Rule over all of this mess. That's what I'm praying. And finally, what I'm hopeful for, that we would grow into not fearing bad news.
that this would be true of us as men and women and boys and girls more. And because out there life is not getting any less crazy, probably, going into 2022, I feel a little bit like the disciples in the Gospel of John, where Jesus says some hard things, people leave, and then he turns to his inner circle and says, you're not going to leave too, are you? But then it said back to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let's say, like, Jesus, what other choice do we have but to be with you? I don't see these other options as that attractive. And I'm hopeful that even though Mom never said there'd be days like this, God did. And the scriptures comprehend the crazy reality that we're living in right now. That would make me quit. That would make me freak out. That would make me stop following Jesus. If I looked into the Bible and the Bible said, hey, once you start following Jesus, life's going to be perfect for you forever. Or if the Bible said, okay, now that Jesus has come, now that we've celebrated our first Advent, life is going to be only perfect and only awesome forever. That story would not align with what I see in, in our world but instead the scriptures contemplate this messy situation and yet proclaim, as the church confesses, the tomb is still empty and Jesus is still Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, The odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.